All right, please join me today in Psalm 25. That's our Psalm 4 uh, today. Um, as I read, uh, the words will be here on the screen, but please follow along in your Bible. 22 verses. Each one start with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I like that. There's so many things I love about this chapter, and I'm really grateful for an opportunity to get to share it with you. God has worked in my heart through this chapter, and I pray that it's found a place and it will stay there, because I need this. I need to hear from God, and uh, we will today as we read this chapter. Follow along with you. Verse number one. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to the mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with thee that fear him. He will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. They hate me with a cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'll be with us now, Lord, as my church family, Lord, as we get together in your word. Lord, I pray that you will help us, Lord, in these times as you have promised to do. I pray that the words of these scriptures, Lord, will find a place in the hearts of all those that are listening. Lord, I pray that you give those listening understanding, you give me clarity of speech, Lord, but we want to hear from you today. We believe this to be the words of God, and we know that they are very relevant and applicable to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is a Psalm of David, and you would say that it's a prayer of guidance, and you probably heard that, we're going to look at it, but it's a prayer of guidance, and it's just so filled with emotion uh, that is happening. David is in a dark place, a place of distress that he needs help to get out of. And so now he has this prayer of guidance unto God, and I find this so helpful. You know, we tell people to pray, but sometimes when we're told to pray, we want more than that. We want to say, tell me how to pray. What do I need to say? And so we've seen the life of David as we went through the historical books, and now we're seeing the emotions, and we're knowing that he prayed, and now we're knowing exactly what he prayed. And in seeing this, we learn a lot about our God. We all want to be guided by God, or at least we should, if you're a believer, you should want God to guide your steps in your days. We have decisions to make. Right now, we're making different decisions that we haven't made before. You're having to make different decisions. People have job situations that are happening um, in their lives. There's just so many different ways that we, um, as a church and as individuals are making uh, decisions and uh, we need God to give us guidance. I don't know if you're like me, but when I was a teenager, I prob um, I would say that I became obsessed about the will of God. Um, it was a, a boat 
that was at the harbor, and if I missed it, I would never get on it again. I was most certain that was the case. I knew if I didn't get to take the right college, I didn't find the right wife, that eventually I'd find myself in a situation where even though I loved God and wanted to do right, I would never be in God's will because I had missed it. Because I thought it was going to be uh, so tricky and so hard to find. Some years ago with the teenagers, we made a, a funny video talking about how people often uh, mysticize the, the will of God. And a guy uh, went to his refrigerator one day and it was filled with butterball turkeys. And then out in his front yard, there's turkeys uh, landed. And he said it was in that moment he knew that God had called him to the country of Turkey. All right, Brady, I don't think that's what God did and leading you there. But we want to know that God leads and guides us. Um, and so we gravitate to those kinds of, uh, of those stories because it's inside of us. We know that we are sheep that need a shepherd. If he doesn't guide us, if we're left to ourselves, we're just wonder. And so we want him to guide us. I heard it said, and I tried to see if it was true enough, but from what I can tell, it is true. But the way that most people talk about the will of God and common at the Christian bookstore, you won't find in books uh, over the last... 2,000 years, um, except maybe in the last 50 years, talking about the will of God um, so individually like that. Uh, as Americans, we're so independent. What is the will of God for me? They usually spoke about it in terms of um, obeying God, uh, being obedient to the Scripture, not grieving the Holy Spirit. And um, something that the will of God would be the same for all of us, and it would be found um, in the Scripture. It would be the, the read the Word, uh, to be honest, and all the things that the Bible uh, teaches us. Uh, but like so many things, uh, we have a way of uh, trying to overcomplicate it. I heard a quote, and I have, won't forget it, and I hope you don't as well, and I love it. It says, it's not how God guides, but whom God guides. The emphasis of this passage and the emphasis of the Bible isn't so much how God guides, but it's whom God guides. And that's what David is saying here. God, I need guidance, and I want to know who is the type of person that you would guide. I want to be the type of person that is led by the Lord. Seniors, I am hurting for you. This is your. I don't have to explain to you what's going on. I know that everybody posting pictures of their graduation 30 years ago didn't help you any. I don't know what to do to, uh, to comfort you. But you know that you're blessed. One, um, you graduated, all right? And there's no bad version um, of that. But I, I, would re I really challenge you to listen to this chapter here and be the type of person that God can guide. Um, he lays it out here for us. And if I was to have the opportunity to preach... Uh, to just our graduates, I'm most certainly go to this. But if you're a high school graduate, or you're a high school senior, or you're just a senior in the game of life, a little bit older, everybody in between, we need guidance from God. We kind of get a glimpse of um, how the question is going to be answered in, in uh, verse number 12, which says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? What man is he that feareth the Lord? So why was David praying for guidance? Um, if you've been following David in the Bible, you would see he's in situations all the time where he needs guidance. So it says here that he's surrounded by his enemies, that his enemies are laying a trap for him. It says not only do they hate him, they hate him with a, a cruel hatred. They wanted him to fail. They wanted him to be ashamed. And the psalmist calls himself a sinner. He says, I don't deserve to be helped by God, but you, you do teach us. And um, he doesn't rely on his own goodness, but on the goodness of God. And so this song is a picture of a very difficult journey um, that David is having, but he successfully is led by God. Throughout the, throughout the chapter, you see the word way over and over again, and you see the word path um, many times, because I remind you this is a prayer of guidance. So what is David feeling? Let's try to put ourselves in uh, his shoes, or sandals, I guess that would be a more appropriate. 
So it sounds really good when we say King David. I mean, who wouldn't like to be king anything, okay? So King David, that sounds good. But also, he was a human with emotions. He was a dad with a love for his kids. Um, he was a fugitive from the law at times, um, though innocent. Um, he was a leader uh, that people looked to, um, that was pressure to see how he would respond. Unfortunately, he was a sinner who had committed adultery with one of his loyal friends' wives. And so that's this is where we find uh, David. And, uh, we, and in the story that we're reading today, which, has influ- which takes, is happening when many of our psalms are written, his son Absalom is in rebellion against him. And David is um, he's fearful for his life. He didn't take care of something in his family's life, something that had happened in his family. Absalom was bitter towards this. And um, because of that, there's strife now between Absalom and David. And uh, David is um, estranged from his, um, his son. Um, his son is uh, seeking um, his life. You know, when we, when we think about this story, we picture big um, Absalom, and we picture how he has um, long hair, and he's, he's um, capable of fighting, and you've probably seen the flannel graph where his um, hair gets stuck in a tree branch, because um, that's the end of the story uh, for Absalom. But it also reminds you that at one point he was just a child uh, that would have sat on David's knee. Um, here's a picture. So obviously this is not a picture uh, of David and Absalom, uh, but none of the pictures I could find online would have been a picture of David and Absalom. But a son that he loved, uh, that he would have raised, and now has grown up and has a cruel hatred for him, and other people in the kingdom have turned against him. What a place for David to be in. And so we should be surprised at the feelings that that David would have. Um, first of all, in verse 2, it says, Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. We find fear. Later on in verse 19, he's going to say, Consider mine enemies. He's saying, God, I know that I am surrounded by enemies uh, and they hate me. And so he's living in fear. Not only is he living in fear, but that fear he has, is he has loneliness. Verse 16, Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me for I am desolate and afflicted. I am completely alone. All the people had turned their back on him. And he is fearful of his life. And now he is all alone. And then he is not in this. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, 16, At my first answer no man stood with me, but all forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Um, Paul knew what it was like to be alone. You know what it's like to be alone. You know what it's like to be fearful. But then we find how these emotions came into his life. David is dealing with guilt and inner turmoil. Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distress. He is in a mess that he has made. Um, he, is, he knows this, and he feels incredible guilt. He knows what he feels he can imagine. I, I can only imagine that he, is, he, he could have... Uh, thought things would have been different for his family. He would imagine what things would have looked like differently if he would have done right, if he wouldn't have committed adultery, if he would have handled things right in his family. And he's just eat up with guilt and his heart is enlarged and it's bringing him the stress. And then it's just natural that with fear and loneliness and guilt that there's great confusion. Show me thy ways, Lord. Teach me thy past. Lead me in thy truth. And uh, teach me. Uh, for thou art the God of my salvation and thee do I wait all the day. I know we feel this way, but David knew that he could call out to God to be taught and to be led, and he has a prayer of guidance. So I have a stat here for you. 
and you look at it, 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 I'm amazed by it. I really am. If you were to put shame and guilt and fear and ask people which one of them were they most uh, not wanting to have, you would find that 38% of people said they wanted to avoid shame more than anything else. 31% of them wanted to avoid guilt, and 30% of them wanted to avoid fear. And so it's not surprising, uh, not, what's surprising, not that personal free, freedom, ambition, and do the right things are valued by Americans. It's the risk that our reputation that matters most. It, what's our biggest cultural fear? It's shame. And that's what David is dealing with. He's just dealing with shame. He is in a dark place, and he doesn't know how to get out of it. He knows how he got there, but he knows that he can't get himself out of it. It's as if he's on a mountain with very steep on both sides with no climbing gear, and he is absolutely helpless to get himself out of it. And so then he has a prayer for guidance. So let's look at what is it that David prayed. First thing he says, verse number one, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. This is wonderful. David knows that even in his own nest that God still cares for him. That God isn't turning his back on him even though he is the one that created it. He, he knows why he's in the position. I was thinking through why is it when we're in these positions of, in our lives that we don't just naturally cry out to God and say, God, I lift up my soul to you and we, we avoid going to prayer. I talking to somebody I love dearly about this yesterday and we made this list of reasons that we don't go to God in prayer during those times where our hearts are being enlarged and we're just full of stress. First of all, um, it hasn't worked before and we didn't get an answer. Why don't, we, why don't we pray in our times of the stress and mess? Because we feel like sometime before we went to God with a problem and when we got done praying, the problem was still there. We said, God, make this problem disappear and He didn't. So prayer did not work the way that we wanted to because we saw prayer as simply um, um, going to God to, to solve that problem. Secondly, we, get, we got ourselves um, into this mess. And so we think if we got ourselves into this mess, uh, then it isn't God's responsibility to get us out of it, and He wouldn't uh, care to help us. Um, we've done it before, and we will do it again. That's another reason that we wouldn't go to God in prayer. It's because we say, why would I even waste time to go to God and say, God, would you please help me out of this? Would you please give me guidance on what I need to do? I don't know what my next step needs to be, God. But would you please help me, and would you show me, and would you teach me? We don't go to Him in those prayers because we say, well, if He tells me I can't do it, we have no self-confidence, which is a great place to start. Or we don't think the punishment is over. David could have sat there and said, I deserved all this. And he could have said, he needs to just keep coming. I don't have any right to ask God to save me from this. Um, I deserve what's coming to me. And he just took the affliction and he would not call out to God. And we get there sometimes where we just believe that we deserve the bad things that are happening in our lives. And that God wouldn't care, and we don't pray to Him, and it's just, and then we're just not worthy. We just think, you know, I'm fearful, and I'm lonely, and I'm afraid, but and I'm confused, but I'm not worthy to go to God and have Him hear my petitions and ask for guidance. And and so, what are some of the answers to that? One is wrong expectation. If you say prayer doesn't work because you didn't know what you wanted when you pray, that's the wrong expectation. You spend time with God in prayer. Um, God gives answers, and sometimes they're not the the answers that you want. The time of prayer is not time uh, wasted. We should be seeking His face and drawing closer to Him. It's not asking how God is going to guide us, but whom God is going to guide us. And going to Him and submitting and humbling ourselves, as we will see. And then you say, well, He doesn't want to help you because we're in a mess that we made. Can I remind you that you were in a mess you made when He found you? 
I mean, as believers, we were all sinners in need of a Savior. He found us as enemies of the cross when He saved us. So the first time He found us, um, we were a mess. And every time He could find us, we could still be a mess. He is not surprised by that or shocked or scared away from us. We can go to Him in whatever emotional state that we're in and whatever mess that we've made, even from the sins of our past and our own doing, and say, God, this is where I'm at right now. Would you guide me? to this. He's not going to ask you to clean your life up and then come see Him again. He wants to help you starting uh, today. And turn your life over to Him in humility. You would say you don't have self-confidence to, to let God guide you out of this or to start doing right because you're dealing with the consequences of your sin and you don't think that you can stop. Lift up your soul and give your life over um, to Him completely. And remember, there's no longer any condemnation in Christ Jesus you're not living according to karma. You don't have to continue to wait before you can go to our God. Look what it says, verse number 1 again. So David says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. He knew that he could go to his God and trust Him completely. He had confidence that God wanted to guide and protect him. Verse 15, For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So he knows that he is, there's traps for him, there's nets set for him, and then when people think that it's completely beyond any fixing um, or correction, God can pluck his feet from the net. And he knows that God will guide him. Oh, bring me out of my distress. He knows that where he's at right now, he can come out of. That is a lie that Satan wants to tell you that what is happening right now is what's always happened, it's what's always going to happen, and that you're never going to get out of where you're at. But God can bring you out of your distress. We can pray to Him for guidance and guidance that He can lead us. And then He knows this. This is David's confidence that God is full of love and truth. He says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimony. All the paths. Meaning that no matter what path God leads Him down, it is going to be filled with truth and with mercy. God cannot and will not lead you astray. We often want God to go to God for answers, but we don't often go to know Him and to humble ourselves and to let Him guide us. Remember, we said the focus is not on... The focus should be on whom God guides and not on how God guides it says the meek will he guide in the judgment. The meek, the humble, that's the, that's the person that God will guide along the way. As if you're walking down a path, he can put signs in your way. And if you're humble enough to listen to them and say, God, you know right. I won't go that direction because you tell me that and you know better than me. That humility will allow him to guide you. And if you don't humble yourselves and you hold your things to yourselves, then he will not guide you. He presents his life completely to God without reservation. Psalm 24, verse 4, kind of contrast, it says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul on the vanity nor sworn the sickly. It talks about an idol worshiper, somebody that would lift up their soul to something else, to, to give their trust in uh, completely. This is the kind of message that we would preach at camp um, in a summer or the seniors about just you need to give your life completely over to God and whatever He would have for you to do. That is the first step in having Him guide you. If you need direction, if you're in a place of confusion and you need guidance, you need to make sure you've given your life completely over to God. Kyle Shreve told not long ago that at a camp, um, I had forgotten to bring uh, a pledge that we bring along. And so I brought out some paper and we told uh, we said, everybody sign the bottom of this piece of paper if you want to say that this blank piece of paper uh, belongs uh, to God without reservation. To sign it means that uh, there's no conditions. God, my life belongs to yours completely. 
basically Pastor told us he did that um, as a teenager. And uh, Cal said he, he, he never forgot it. And I, I would ask that you would do the same thing too. You want guidance in God? You take a pen and a blank piece of paper and say, God, whatever you're going to tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to say, God, forgive me. I'm not listening to you. I'm not letting you guide me, Lord. This is where I'm at emotionally. I'm asking you to guide me and sign it and give yourself to him. And then David, he's going to plead for God to remember some things and to forget some things. He's going to say, Lord, remember your tender mercies. But he's also going to say, but remember not the sins of, of my youth. It's been said that never a prisoner at any prison cell would beg more earnestly for his life than David did for the pardon of the great offense in the matter of Uriah, for it laid heavy upon him. You hear it in the Psalms. The guilt and the shame that he had and that desire for forgiveness. And he's saying, God, would you forget the sins of, of my youth? It seems like a hard task for God uh, to do that. How can he remember this and forget this? But he is such a good God. Hebrews 8, 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He says that he will forget those things. He will forget the, the sins of David's youth. Young people, when at church, when we sit together and you look around, you may not know all the stories of the adults that are around you, but I can tell you that many of us look back on our youth with remorse for our sins. But it isn't what defines us because he has chosen to forget that. So when we do choose to look back, we look at our remorse and we say that's not who we are because we choose to remember his mercies and forget those things. And that's what David is praying for. There's a new story. In the place of those old stories of the sin of our youth, there's a story, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he who hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. In the place of the sins of my youth, that I look back on and have remorse, there's a new story. And that's the story of Jesus taking his sins. So what are some of the truths that David had to just fully embrace for him to just make a, a prayer like this and to, and to mean it? Uh, Ravi Zacharias, who uh, recently uh, passed away, and you probably know that name, he has an uh, RZIM down in Alpharetta, an apologist, a Christian apologist. He had a quote that I love, and it's this. It says, if you're a praying person, you must, if you're not a praying person, you must carry your faith. But if you are a praying person, your faith carries you. And so Christianity it can't just be something you carry around in a suitcase, but it has to be something that carries you and really believe these things. David knew that his sins weren't going to disqualify him from God leading him because his, he had a faith in God and he was going to act upon it. He was going to tell his emotions to follow his thoughts which were going to be placed in God. So not only did the past sins of David disqualify him for being led by God, but nothing that anybody was doing to him or any of the circumstances keep him from letting God guide him. Verse 2, Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Can I tell you, if you think, if you're bitter towards somebody today because you think that what they did to you is now keeping you from God working in your life and leading and guiding you and being the person that God's designed you to be and a new creature, can I tell you it's not true. Nobody can do that. Nobody can derail your life from God's plan and God's will. He wants to use your life. And so not your sins and not those people. And bitterness comes into our lives when we say, this is my expectation and God can't use me, God doesn't want to guide me, and this person is to blame. You need to provide forgiveness to them like Joseph did. Remember when Joseph at the, with his brothers and they had sold him into slavery and they, um, they throw him in a pit and all the horrible things that they had done to him. And he looked at them and he says, you meant it for evil, 
But God meant it for good. Because He knew that God could still guide him. That no matter what his brothers did, that God could still work in his life. So who is this person that God guides? What we've been getting to. Verse 9 and 10. The meek will he guide in judgment. All the paths. And all the paths of the Lord's mercy and truth as such as keep His commandment. God guides the person who lives according to the Scriptures. We said in Psalm 23 that green pastures is meaning being fed spiritually. Which means that if we are to be people that, are, that God can guide, we are people that are of the Word and in Scripture. He is not just our uh, atoning Savior, but He should be our authoritative advisor. Meaning that in all decisions of life, we would look to our God and say, God, which decision is pleasing to you? And in decisions where there are two things that are pleasing to Him, we ask Him for guidance and we move forward. But in decisions where one of them is not pleasing to God, we say, You are Lord and You have the right to lead and guide us. And we look in Your Scriptures and we live according to the Scriptures. Not only that, but it's those that are humble. Not only those that you live according to Scripture and you have to be humble. Humility is a prerequisite for guidance. Hebrews 5.14, Strong meat belongs to them that are of a full age, even those who, by reason who use, have their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. By humbly submitting ourselves to God's Word, God guides us in our decisions, in the things that are clearly laid out for us, and in the other matters of life we learn to think biblically and to live by principles. You won't live out the will of God any more than you know the Word of God. So we have to be people that live according to the Scriptures, we have to be people that um, are humble, that are meek before God, and then there are people that trust the Lord, that trust God. Meaning that you can trust Him to make the best decisions. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. It's how He led the, the, the book in Acts, He led the church to send out their first missionaries. The Holy Spirit led them to do that. He guides their steps. Nehemiah is praying, and God moves on their heart. He, they, people that trust the God, they trust God, and they look to Him. He says in verse 15, My eyes are always towards the Lord. And the in verse 14, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. David is saying, Whom is a person that God guides? It's a humble person. A person who is obedient to Scripture. Well, then I am going to be a person whose eyes are upon the Lord. I'm going to be a person that will fear Him. In the New Testament, the way we say this will be people that don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That is how God is guiding us today. Humility should lead us forward today. If you're not a believer, the guidance that God wants to give you is that you need to go to the cross, meaning that you need to recognize that you're a sinner in need of Him, and you need to ask Him to save you. If what's holding you back today may be pride or guilt or shame or maybe fear, and you're out of place and you don't think God can deliver you out of it, can I tell you to listen to the words of David and to trust Him? He can guide you. He will be a teacher of sinners. He will lower Himself to teach sinners, and He will guide you. And you can put your faith and trust in Him today. God can forgive you of your largest of your iniquity. Verse 11, For, my, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. His iniquity was great, but the grace of God is greater. Where the law entered and the fence might abound, but where, the, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Romans 5, 20. So no matter what iniquity is in life, or the sins of your youth or your sins of yesterday, God can forgive you. And He will forgive you. You should come to Him humbly today and ask Him to guide you and put your faith and trust in Him. God can be trusted to guide us uh, with His Word. A willingness to obey the first step to spiritual understanding. A willingness to obey is the first step towards spiritual understanding. John 7.17 If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God, whether I speak of myself. If you don't really want to obey God, if you're not really wanting to listen to Him, 
Why would you expect that He would guide you? Why would you expect that in the Word He would guide you? Why would you think in, as you pray to Him, He would tell you the direction they needed to know? He, you need to come to Him humbly and say, God, whatever you say the answer is to the problem, I've already signed a blank piece of paper, I humble myself and I want you to guide me from this. Knowing that the Lord has a plan for our lives and that His plan is the very best for us is to give us great joy and confidence to seek His will. Psalm 16.11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life and in the fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. David says his soul is going to be comforted, that his soul will be at ease when he goes to God. Not fearful, not lonely, not ashamed, not confused, but his soul can be at ease. Let God guide you from where you're at today. If you find yourself sitting there, fear, fear, guilt, confusion, lonely, let God guide you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me. God will guide you today. Are you in need of guidance? Are you living according to Scripture? Are you trusting Him? Are you humble? David ends this after praying for himself, and he says, Redeem Israel, God, out of all his troubles. He says, Not just me, Lord, but other people need this. Other people need this type of guidance. And he prays for other people. He prays for people of all the nations. Would you pray for me for guidance? Would I would pray for you for guidance? Would we pray that as a church right now with people making different decisions, uh, that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let God guide us? That if that there's people in our church family that may be dealing with all these emotions and they're, and they're distraught, for whatever reason, that God would guide them. They would pray for Israel and we pray for uh, one another. And then it says in the next chapter, Psalm 26, 12, it says, My foot standeth, in an even place, and the congregations will I bless the Lord. Will that be our testimony when we, um, as a church, get back together um, as a congregation and say, you know what, I was, a, I was in a dark place full of fear and guilt and confusion, and I was lonely, but I cried out to God, and He led me, and He provided guidance um, in my life. I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, I'm going to put a few questions up on the screen. And I'm just going to give you a moment, maybe there with your family, to talk through those questions. Um, and to make sure you just really process and don't move past this. If you need guidance in your life, pray right now for Him to give you guidance. If you're an unbeliever, call us right now. Call 770-853-8148. Call me. I would love to talk to you. How you can put your faith and trust um, in Jesus. But as a family, look at this prayer of guidance. Parents, talk to your kids about when they get to that place and maybe you're not around, how do they get out of it? And show them the steps that are in the Scripture. And if you're there today, don't waste another moment. Pray to God. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I don't know where they are at, Lord. We're scattered all throughout the city. But Lord, not just geographically in different places, but emotionally, Lord, and spiritually we have different places. And I'm praying for those, Lord, that are dealing with these emotions, that they will have a prayer of guidance and that you will lead them out of that. That if their heart is being enlarged, Lord, if they're being distraught, that they will pray to you, Lord, and say, lead me and teach me and guide me.